Friends, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Please join in our call to worship. This is the day the Lord has made, and we are dazzled by it. This is the day the Lord has made. We will give thanks for the dawn and be gentle with the shadows, remembering that every moment is holy. This is the day the Lord has made. We will look for grace all around us, trusting that justice will roll down and love will rise up. to God the truth as we pray together. Gracious God, hear our prayer for the right roads we have avoided traveling and the kindly words we have refused to share, for the false gods who have received our worship and the true shelves we have starved of love. God, by your grace, forgive us for the hidden hurts we have held too tightly and the promises which we never kept, for the careless use of our time and money, and the pitiful excuses we should never have made. God, by your grace, forgive us. For all we should be, and all we can amend, God, by your grace, renew us. For all you have in store for us, and all you may demand of us, God, by your grace, prepare us for the life of the world and the love of its people. God, by your grace, commit us. (laughs) 
beloved, God accepts you for who you are. God welcomes you just as you are. God meets you where you're at in this moment. God named you. God loves you. And you are made in God's image. And so is the person beside you. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Welcome once again to worship on this Lord's Day. It is always good to come together and worship, and Jesus promises us 
that where two or three are gathered, he is in our midst. Whether you are a longtime member or a first-time visitor, we are glad that you're here today. Your presence among us makes us better. And it is our hope that any time any of you come through these doors that you receive challenge or comfort, whatever it is that you are most in need of to help you along in your walk of faith. If you are seated near the ends of the pews and have access to those maroon pew pads, if you would sign your name and share them with those near you, as they make their way around and across, feel free to look inside and see the names of people who are worshiping with you. If there are folks that you don't know yet, we encourage you to change that before you go home so that all might feel welcome and at home here. As you're doing that, a few announcements to lift up for you. A reminder that today is Library Awareness Sunday, so if you have not already been to the lobby to see all of the books that are out and about, there are books to borrow, books to buy, books to revel in, and uh, just an opportunity to appreciate and give thanks for the ministry of our library fellowship and all that they do. Also, I'll remind you that our annual meeting of the congregation is next Sunday, February 2nd, following this service. We will meet downstairs in the parish hall. A light lunch will be served. The purpose of our meeting, we do it every year, but the purpose is to look forward to the year ahead, review the year that has just concluded, elect our officers. You will hear a presentation on the budget for this coming year, um, and just... Uh, think together about the future of our congregation. There will be pizza and activities for children and youth that would perhaps prefer that to attending the meeting. Adults, we ask that you come to the meeting, even if you would prefer pizza and activities. Uh, child care will also continue, and again, all are welcome, um, though members are the only ones with voice and vote at that meeting. Um, also, next week, we hope that you will come a bit earlier than normal. During the adult education hour, you can meet the composer of a piece that has been commissioned and will be premiered during this worship service next week. There are details about that in your bulletin. Um, it's a piece that has been uh, focused on words from the prophet Micah. Um, when we are reminded to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. Finally, there are all manner of activities for our youth and our children and, of course, for our adults. Um, our confirmation class will meet after this service starting at 1 o'clock, and we will meet in the parish hall today. So, confirmands, I look forward to seeing you then. In the midst of everything that we have going on, it can feel like this is a time of busyness, uh, but we are fortunate to have the opportunity to rest and revel in the Word of God at this time. Our epistle lesson today comes from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 10 through 18. First, however, let us pray. Living God, help us to hear your holy word in a way that we may truly understand that, understanding that we may believe, and believing that we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we say and do. Through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. 
Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you should be in agreement, that there should be no divisions among you, but that you should be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you. My brothers and sisters, what I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. young people to come and join me here at the font. I'm so glad you're here. So we just sang a very special kind of hymn. We always sing it at this time in the service, like between the other scripture readings. William, do you remember what it's called? Can, can you read this word for me? Psalm. Okay. Psalm. Yeah. Do you know what that word means? What a psalm is? A psalm is a prayer. And we sing the psalms and we say the psalms. 
The Psalms are come from the Bible from a long time ago, from God's people of Israel. And let me show you, it takes up a lot of the Bible, actually. There are lots of books in the Bible, but if you turn almost to the middle, you can almost always find Psalms. And there are 150 of them, 150 prayers that God's people wrote. And sometimes they sang them, just like we do, but we don't know what their music sounded like. And sometimes they said them, just like we do. We sing them, and sometimes we say them. The Psalms, you can find a psalm, a prayer like that's a psalm for just about anything you might be feeling. Because God's people way back in Bible times, they had all the same feelings that we do. Sometimes they were afraid, sometimes they were angry, or really tired, or sad, or sick, or happy, or thankful, or joyful. God's people wrote psalms about all those things. Did you know that you could be angry with God? It's okay to be angry with God sometimes. If things aren't going the way you want them to, or if something bad has happened, the psalmists were angry with God sometimes. You can be sad with God. You can tell God you're afraid. You can pray when you're happy or thankful or joyful. Anything you might be feeling. We sang part of Psalm 27 today. We have a whole group of psalms in our hymn book. And we sang Psalm 27. And I want you to read, I want to read for you a couple of verses. And I want you to listen to the words and tell me what you think, how you think this psalm writer was feeling. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? What do you think the psalm writer was feeling? Afraid, yeah. Was feeling afraid, saying, God, I'm feeling afraid. I know you're there, but I feel afraid. Now listen to the end of the psalm. I believe I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord. So how was that psalm writer feeling at the end of the psalm? Happier, right? Feeling more brave and courageous and trusting that God was there and God was going to take care of them. So talking to God reminded the psalm writers that God was with them all the time, no matter what they felt. And that's something we learn from the psalms, that we can talk to God no matter what we're feeling, And that God is always going to be there listening. And sometimes just talking to God can help us feel better and stronger and courageous and less afraid. Let's pray together. And I invite everybody here to pray after me. Dear God, dear God, thank you for always being with us. Thank you for always being with us, no matter what we are feeling, no matter what we are feeling. And for reminding us, and for reminding us that you love us no matter what. That you love us no matter what. Amen. Thank you. You can go with Ms. Hoffman to children's worship.
Our gospel reading today comes from Matthew's gospel, chapter 4, verses 12 through 22. Now when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the lake, in the territory of Zebulon and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulon, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Two weeks ago, we began a conversation about finding the sacred in our everyday lives. We heard the story of Jesus being baptized in the Jordan River and discovered together how that event declares that God can and will show up anywhere and anytime, that holiness is not limited to certain places or spaces and that the most ordinary things can carry reminders of the extraordinary promise of our faith. Last week, over Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, Beverly reminded us that justice is the work of the whole church. By virtue of the faith that is handed down to us from our ancestors, all of us have prophetic blood coursing through our veins. And today, it's the story of Jesus calling his disciples when they are called, quite literally, to a new kind of work. Everything changes for them, and yet, I would argue, their resumes do not need to be updated at all. It was a little over a week ago that I was sitting in an airport waiting on a flight back home, The weather in about half of the country was not cooperating, and it was one of those one delay after another situations. And all of us at gate 31 were starting to know one another better than we had ever intended. There were three men that were talking not very far away from me. They were either on their way to or on their way back from a business trip and they were sharing stories of previous employment. One of them said with no small amount of pride, I was fired once for being Christian. Now this, of course, caught my attention. Not enough to enter their conversation, just enough to, I admit, linger and drink my coffee slowly. I was fired once for being Christian, he said. Now, I think that this man is probably a good guy, 
As he told his friends and anyone in the nearby airspace, he loves his church, so much so that at his past job, every Friday, he would walk around the office and ask everyone about their weekend plans, and then he would suggest that they change those plans and go to worship with him. I was only doing what Jesus teaches us to do, he said, but apparently complaints were filed with HR mainly by those he supervised, who said they felt pressured by their boss, and who claimed that those who accepted his invitation to church received special treatment. I was told to keep my religion at home, he said, and he shook his head. This is the state of things now, he said. I was fired for being Christian. I've learned my lesson, he said. My faith cannot go to work with me. I'm curious what you might think about that. The story of Jesus calling the disciples is an old favorite of mine, particularly the way that Matthew and Mark tell it. Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he sees Simon and Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Now that always makes me laugh just a little bit, the way that the gospel writers reiterate this point. They were casting a net into the lake because they were fishermen, they say, just in case we might think they were casting their nets into the lake because they were tax collectors, or casting their nets into the lake because they were carpenters. They were fishermen, the gospel wants us to know over and over and over again. They were fishermen. And so, of course, when Jesus calls to them, he says, I will make you fish for people. I think all of the repetition around what Simon and Andrew do for a living and the language that frames what they will do from now on is important. Jesus sees who they are, And he sees what they do. He sees the work they engage in, and he uses their own language, their own lingo, to call out to them. (coughs) He doesn't say, fishermen, come and follow me, and I will make you lawyers. He says, fishermen, come and follow me. And bring the skills that you have, and the work that you do, and the person you are. Bring all of that, and follow me. I don't think Jesus called fishermen because he needed fishermen. I think Jesus called people who happened to be fishermen, and he invited them to bring their full selves along. You fish, Jesus says, great. I will teach you to fish for people. You're a doctor, great. I will teach you to heal the broken. You're a writer, I'll teach you the word of the Lord. You're a banker, I'll teach you the value of dignity and the cost of discipleship. You're a lawyer, excellent. I will teach you the law and the prophets. You're a student, I will teach you to study scripture and ask the right questions. You're a builder? Great. I will teach you to build bridges and forge community. You're a tailor? 
I'll teach you to mend back together anything that's been torn apart. You're an executive, I'll teach you to lead people in the paths of righteousness. You're a librarian, great. I will teach you to care for the past and pursue knowledge today. Whatever work you do, Jesus says, I will teach you to do it in a way that brings glory to God. So how might Jesus call to you? It is no wonder that the very next thing Matthew tells us is how immediately they left their nets and followed him. Immediately, almost as if they had been waiting their entire lives for this moment. Almost as if a chord had been struck that only they could hear. Now, if Jesus had simply been offering them the same life and the same routine they'd always had, I don't think that would have been compelling enough for them to have responded immediately. And if Jesus had offered them a bizarre and abrupt departure from the life and routine they had always known, they wouldn't have been ready to respond immediately to that either. Jesus meets them where they are and offers them a renewed way of doing what they've always done. You're a fisherman, he says, so let me show you how you as a fisherman can bring glory to God. In other words, he says, let me show you how your days can be full of meaning. That's why Simon and Andrew and James and John respond immediately. Because isn't that what we all want? The siren song of success and advancement and achievement, it has its appeal, I know. But at the end of the day, I suspect that what we all want more than anything else is to know that what we do matters. That what we do makes a difference. Come and follow me, Jesus says, and I will show you how to find meaning in your days. It is not terribly uncommon for me to hear people lament the divide in their daily living. There's the part of them that goes to church on Sunday, the part that worships with glad hearts and faithful minds, and then there's the part that goes to work on Monday. And so often these parts feel disconnected. An earnest elder at a previous church I served, he once said to me, I'd like to learn how to go to church not just on Sunday, but on Monday and Tuesday too. And I trust that you will understand he was not looking for an afternoon Bible study or an evening program. What's it like, he said, to go to church every day? His honest question makes me remember how years and years and years ago, I would find it absolutely scandalous to run into my teacher at the grocery store. Not because of whatever he was buying, but because to my young mind, teachers only existed at school. 
Students go home in the afternoon when the bell rings, but not teachers. How could my teacher possibly need groceries? He lived at school, and the school had a cafeteria. And I think that faithful elder thought maybe the lives of pastors and priests and other religious professionals might be something like that. And I heard this deep longing in his voice as he spoke about it. He didn't actually imagine that I lived in the sanctuary, but he did imagine a life in which church and work didn't feel so compartmentalized. I am convinced that our scripture reading this morning speaks a word of both comfort and challenge to that elder and to all of us. Very little about our lives is so neatly divided, especially when it comes to faith. Remember now, before Jesus calls his disciples, before he says, follow me, he says to all who would hear, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Not the kingdom of heaven will come near, or even the kingdom of heaven is coming near. The kingdom of heaven has come near. It is already here. There is no divide, Jesus says, between heaven and earth. And in Jesus, there is no divide between human and divine, which means if I understand this text and all the ones around it, there is no divide between the secular and the sacred. Faith is never limited to Sunday. If anything, we talk about faith and following Jesus on Sundays so that we can live it out the rest of the week. To divide heaven and earth, the secular and the sacred, Sunday and Monday, that is a grave misunderstanding of the gospel that Jesus proclaims. The man in the airport, he said that he brought too much of his faith to work. And I don't know him, not in any way that matters. But I think the problem wasn't that he brought too much of his Christian faith to work. I think it's that he brought too little. He brought an understanding of faith that was far too little and far too literal. All he could hear was Jesus calling him to be a fisherman, which is fine if you happen to be a fisherman. But this man was a corporate consultant who didn't speak the language of fishermen. He was trying desperately to be someone he wasn't, which meant, I think, that despite very good intentions, he misunderstood. And this led to him seeing his colleagues as actual fish, fish that are caught in nets and captured and hung on the wall as trophies. Jesus never calls us to be someone or something that we are not. He does constantly call us to consider how we are and who we are and why we do what we do and how all of that 
can show forth the glory of God. If that divide between Sunday and Monday, if that divide between work and worship still seems insurmountable to you, the very best encouragement I can offer is to listen once again for the voice that calls to you. It's a voice that doesn't ask you to change what you do. But it might ask you to change the way you do it, or the way you understand it, or interpret it, or embody it. You're a fisherman, Jesus says. Great. I will teach you to fish for people. That's all the gospel records because that's how stories work. But I don't think that's all that Jesus says. You're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're a musician, a banker. Great, he says. I will teach you how that too can be faithful and true. I'll teach you how you too, whoever you are and whatever you do, I will teach you that you, my beloved, you are faithful and true. I will teach you, he says. So come. Come and follow me. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
standing as you are able, and let us together confess the faith of the Church using the Apostles' Creed, which you find printed in your bulletins. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Let us pray together. God of grace and God of glory, God our helper and our hope, you call us to follow you, to orient everything about our lives around you, to think and act and speak and breathe as if your kingdom were here right now. Our efforts are imperfect, so give us patience and persistence with ourselves and with one another. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You call us to love our neighbors, God, so we pray for our neighbors, our neighbors who have too little, too little food or shelter or security, too little employment or support or hope. And we pray for our neighbors who have too much, too much assurance and certainty and comfort, too much detachment and distance and objectivity. Gracious God, be the God of the great leveling, that in some being brought up and others being brought down, we all might see one another face to face, and in seeing one another's face, we might see your face too. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You call us to share one another's burdens. O oh God, for all those who are weary from the struggle, struggling with health in body, mind, or spirit, struggling to know peace or to trust the promise, struggling with grief or change or overwhelm, struggling with demons of any sort or despair of any kind, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You call us to pay attention, to seek justice and pursue righteousness. And so we pray, God, for those in positions of leadership and power. In this congregation, in this community, in this country, and in this world, may the weight of responsibility be heavy enough to be acknowledged and light enough to be endured. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You call us to seek wholeness for others, yes, but also for ourselves. So God, inspire us when we need conviction and comfort us when we need rest. Give us courage to follow where you call us and give us wisdom to know when to rise up and when to sit down, when to listen and when to speak, when to let go and when to hold on, when to give thanks and when to demand more, when to remember and when to forget. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You call us, O oh God, to remember the communion of saints, 
those whose light now shines ahead of us. In this day, we remember with gratitude and thanksgiving those who we have loved and still love, including Thomas Dumont, in whose honor the chancel flowers are given this day. In gratitude for his memory and his legacy, and the memory and legacy of all those we hold close, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Trusting that you can do all that we ask and even more than we can imagine, we pray all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We are able to pray with confidence because of God's faithfulness to us throughout years and generations past. So now let us join the company of the faithful in giving of ourselves through our offering this day.
Please be seated. The prophet Isaiah said, Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Let those who have no money come and eat. God will satisfy our souls with a rich feast, and we will bless the Lord as long as we live. This is not the table of this church or any church. It is Christ's table. And Christ invites all who thirst and hunger to drink and eat. So come, you who thirst for meaning and hunger for hope, you who thirst for righteousness and hunger for justice, you who thirst for truth and hunger for wholeness. In this bread and cup, Jesus gives of himself to quench our thirst and satisfy our hunger, giving us strength to go out into the world as his faithful disciples. Whether you are young or old or somewhere in between, whether you have been here often or not in a while, wherever you are on life's journey of repentance, of returning to God, Christ invites you to this table which he has prepared. So come, taste and see that the Lord is good. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to praise you with deep joy, O God. You formed the sun, the moon, and the stars that illumine the shadows of chaos. And then, when you're imag- with your imagination, you brought forth creation, molding a dome of sea and sky. You taught the rain to rain and the snow to snow, so that when it melts, it would trickle into creeks. And those creeks would connect so that every little thing slowly multiplied in wonder, increasing your joy. You did this for us, those shaped in your image and heart. And so with praise and gratitude settled in our hearts, we join our voices with the song of the angels and saints who forever sing to the glory of your holy name. of flesh. You sent Jesus to put on the image of a body so that we might throw off the chains of our captivity to see your goodness and glory. And if that is not enough, Jesus chose to die as an act of love and was resurrected as an act of hope. And so with love and grace imprinted on our hearts by you, O God, let your spirit come. May it pour out upon us and upon these your gifts of bread and wine as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And as our heart is assumed into yours, O God, we work towards your kingdom in all its glory. We gather with our siblings from every time and place, embracing each other and sitting down for the joyful feast telling all of your glory and hope. 
And so we do all of this, we do all of this, and we do it while praying the way Christ taught those first disciples, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. On the night of his arrest, the Lord Jesus took bread. Having given thanks to God, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this as my remembrance. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it as my remembrance. The Apostle Paul tells us that every time we eat this bread and share this cup, we proclaim the saving death of our risen Lord until he comes again. These are holy things to make us holy, the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us keep the feast.
Once again, O oh God, you have welcomed us to your table and sustained us with your presence in this ordinary bread and cup. You have made us one with all who share this feast, those gathered at this table here in this place, those gathered around the world, and those gathered with you in all your glory and your heavenly realm. Nurtured by your presence and upheld by the communion of saints, send us out to be your body in this world serving as you would serve, and loving others as you love us. In Christ we pray. Amen.
today, and it is the same love of God that now sends you out into a world that is beautiful and absolutely in need of what only you have to offer. So may joy and nothing less follow you all the days of your life. May you be blessed and may you be a blessing. And may you rest well today, secure in the knowledge that the Lord of Light, who has brought you this far already, will lead you and countless others all the way home. Amen. Thank you.